You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Angelica, also known as Angie Wandu. Angelica is the founder of The Shade Room, a media company that covers celebrity news and celebrates Black culture. With over 14 million followers on Instagram alone, The Shade Room has become the it destination for breaking national stories. Angelica herself was named as one of the Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2016 and has created an empire that inspired Refinery29 to call her the Oprah of our generation. Angelica, as you'll hear on this episode, is someone who is so fascinating to me because she didn't have a blueprint. She basically started this site on Instagram and her confidence is contagious. She may not have known for sure that what she would create would work, but something inside of her made her believe it would. And that's the kind of confidence we all need to have. She is also not one for excuses. So a lot of times we get caught up in the tech of things and we're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. She was like, you know what? I don't know how to do a site. So I'm going to start this on Instagram and I'll figure out how to build a website later. That is the kind of confidence and determination you need. So on today's episode, we'll get into how Angelica got her start, how her foster care upbringing influenced her life's path and how she revolutionized celebrity news, starting with a laptop, Wi-Fi, and an Instagram account. Before we get into the episode, you know we have to shout out the review of the week. This one comes from Delightful Gal. She says, I have never heard of any of these entrepreneurs, and I am plenty in the know. I can't overstate how happy I am to have found the podcast with all of the great interviews. Every single episode is so interesting. I love hearing the real deal on how really fantastic women created and maintain their hustle. And really love Nikayla's sharing of what it's like for her to be a solo entrepreneur with this podcast. Honest, informative, entertaining, with lots of practical guidance for budding solo proprietors. This is the only podcast I listen to religiously. And she says, 100, 100, 100. Thank you, delightful gal. Shout out to you. I really appreciate and love the fact that this is a podcast you listen to religiously. Now, I know that is a high bar because there are a lot of podcasts out there. So I really appreciate that. Okay, now let's get into the episode. So welcome to the guest chair, Angie. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for making time. I am very honored to have you in the Side Hustle Pro guest chair. So First things first, give us a peek into the life of Angie. You know, what do you do in your own words and who are you? So I own what one of the fastest growing uh, media companies in Black culture. And um, and so it's really, really crazy, um, you know, behind the scenes. I mean, we have to constantly innovate and create um you know, be creative and in our articles and in the content that we post. Um, we're very different in the sense that we do a lot of creative um, articles as well on top of, you know, the normal celebrity content. Um, so, so that's when I have to manage a team of, you know, 12. We have a very small team. Um, and basically I'm going to meetings a lot. I go to a lot of meetings. I meet with a lot of other CEO heads because I want to pick their brain and learn from them. Honestly, for me, the the best, um, 
lessons that I've gotten are from having dinner with and lunch with people, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I do a lot of dinner and lunch. I travel a lot. Um, I speak. Um, I, I do a lot of speaking engagements um, at schools and, um, you know, foster youth events. That's what I, I'm doing one tomorrow. And um, that's what I love to do. And uh, we do a lot of charity behind the scenes that people don't know about that we never talk mm-hmm. about because it's for the right reasons that we do it. And, um, and, and I have a lot of fun too in life. <laughs> good, good. So, you, you, hear a lot. <laughs> good. you hear a lot about the stress CEO. So I'm glad you're having fun and mm-hmm. doing all that. Um, now I understand you mentioned, you know, the foster um, speaking engagement, and I know that that has definitely influenced your own journey. So you grew up in the foster system, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then how did that, yeah. How did that impact your own journey? Well, um, you know, for me, because I've, uh, you know, okay, well, first of all, let me say this, but my family likes to get mad when I, uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, you acting like you didn't have no family. No, I did. So I lost my parents when I was six years old. Um, I lost my mother at the hands of domestic violence. And so obviously, you know, I had to go into the foster care system with four of my sisters and we were in care for 12 years, but at the same time, I'm Nigerian. And so I had a strong Nigerian, um, you know, family that was around me while I was in foster care. Um, for various reasons, they couldn't take us in, but they did visit us on the weekends and, and kind of instill this, um, this, you, I, I, w- I always say this, when you're a foster child, you have a stigma over your head. And that stigma is that you're going to be, um, you know, uh, just a menace to society, that you're not going to be, that you're abused and uh, that you're just, unfortunate right and so that kid if you carry that stigma then you can go around life and it could affect you and it could affect your success and and what you do in life but I also had the stigma of being Nigerian which actually has very positive attributes like when I was in class my teachers would say oh you're Nigerian (laughs) you know what I mean like you guys are gonna be because Nigerians are are the most successful immigrants in America right yeah immigrants in America and so because of that I had it was like this polar identity one was one, one was when people found I was a foster child. They're like, oh, pity you. And then when they found I was Nigerian, they're like, yes, excellence. You know what I mean? And right. so I got to live under that. And I think that both experiencing both really helps me to become who I am today. I was resilient. I was adaptable. I, I was striving for success. And I had that instilled in me from a young age. So. Oh, good. Yeah, we are going to get into the entrepreneurship piece. But I know, like most people, you were on the like straight lace path going into college. So you studied accounting and human resources, which is, I don't know, maybe, maybe you use that in your business today, but that is a far cry from starting the shade room. So how did that, yeah, like talk to us about what was your original path and then when did that pivot happen? So I, I told you about the Nigerian background, right? Yep. So they kind of pushed me, my, um, oh, my cousin who, you know, helped take care of us from, you know, like he was the one that was coming on the weekends, things like that. He pushed me, um, to um, study accounting because he was in accounting. And that was something that Nigerians, um, you know, really looked highly upon, favorably upon because they, they, uh, you know, it's accounting, engineer, doctor, nurse, and that's it. You know what I mean? Lawyer, whatever. It has to be the top, you know, careers. And so for me, I was like, okay, let me do that. Plus I was in foster care um, coming out. So I didn't really have a mother or father. And I knew that I had to take care of my little sister. So I knew I had to take care of her and be an example for her. So I was focused on just doing what made money. But I knew I was a writer. I had been a writer since a kid. So talking about that, when I was younger, one of the things that saved me was I 
joined this um, program called Peace for Kids. Mm-hmm. And I used to be a bad child. You don't even understand. The other day I looked through my like school records. I was fighting all the time. Oh, man. Not even girls, boys. You know what I mean? Women. <laughs> But I, but I, I had so much anger and rage inside of yes. me because of my life and what I went through. Because I didn't, I had some bad foster homes. But um, so because of that, I started to write, and I became a poet. And so I used to travel the, across the country in this um, team called Peace for Kids and just saying my poetry and doing poetry slams and winning. Right. Right. But because of that, I knew I was a writer. So when I went to um, college, I was studying accounting, which was so. <laughs> horrible um you know I I just knew I was depressed mm. I didn't like going to class I just was uninspired and so I knew I was doing something that wasn't for me and I just remember this is the point that's kind of changed in me like there was this guy freshman year he wrote a script freshman year and then dropped out of school because he made so much money off that script what? And I remember looking at my best friend, who's still my best friend now, and I don't mean to say, you know, but I looked at her and I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write a script. And it's going to be big. And, and she looked at me and she said, you can't do that. Right? And it was like that first thing. And I let her kill that dream inside of me for mm. four years. And so I just kept on. I graduated. I went into accounting and eventually it hit ahead. And, um, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I told everybody around me that I wanted to be a screenwriter. As soon as you let the universe know that what you want to do, or actually God, <laughs> you know what I mean? As soon as God, as soon, as soon as you meet God at a place where you recognize who you are, then he opens another door for you. And so um, he opened the door for me and then I met my co-writer and then that's how things started to flow. Okay. You know, it's so funny that you talk about that because I also had someone when I was starting or just thinking about... I was also a writer at heart and I talked about how I want to start blogging again. I didn't know where it would lead. I didn't know it would lead to Sci Hustle Pro. And I had a friend, I put that in quotes, right? Who was like, yeah, but that takes a long time. So, you know, people, people have been doing that for years and it's like, so <laughs> why can't yeah. I do it too? Yeah. You know, it seems so, uh, it seems so hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. People, if they feel like they can't achieve it, then they like, you can't either. You, know? you can't either. You mm-hmm. cannot. But you did. So you were a Sundance, you won the Sun, or you were a part of the Sundance Fellowship and then the Time Warner HBO Fellowship. And did that, that film that you wrote, that's that's out now, right? It came out in 2018. It's out now. You can go watch it on iTunes, Google Play. Every- What's it called again? It's called Night Comes On. Yeah. Night Comes On. So you are a screenwriter at heart, but you are also the founder of The Shade Room. Do you think that you'll continue to make films? Yes. I mean, you know, the thing is, I never saw myself being in media ever okay. in life. I, this, this was something that just came upon me because I had an idea and it just went really, really right, you know? And so I never saw myself, um, I never saw myself uh, doing this. But I think that for me... I love film and that's what I always saw myself as. When I was a kid, I used to tell everybody, I'm going to get an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Grammy because I love music too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do, do that. I'm going to do that, you know? And so I've been saying that since I was a kid. So I am definitely going to, I'm working on another film right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely going to, I'm going to merge both of my passions. The Shade Room can become a production company. Yes. You know? Yeah. I totally yeah. believe it. And and that's one of the reasons I reached out to you and I relate to you on that level is that you can have these creative instincts and you don't necessarily know how it's going to work. Like I too love writing, but I don't know when I'm going to get back to that in this midst of creating my 
podcast company and um, well, I haven't created a company, but my podcast and, you know, everything that I love to do here. So I like to follow others' journeys to see how they've done it. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about starting the shade room. So what inspired you to create it? I decided to write a script for Jordana Sparrow. I mean, which Jordana Sparrow um, called Night Comes On. And it was, you know, loosely based on things that I had experienced as well. And so we write this script and it makes it to Sundance. We we submit it and it makes it to Sundance. And that's when I'm like, yes, God has confirmed that I am supposed to be writing. So mind you, I have a job. It's tax season. I go out there for, um, to Park City. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because you got to go through this book, this screenwriting boot camp. So I go out there and I'm getting mentored by Quentin Tarantino and like just the top of the top you know, in the Hollywood industry. And my boss hits me up and he's like, Angelica, he's like, look, if you don't come back right now, then you're fired. Oh. And I'm like, I'm fired then. Because, you know what I mean? I'm like, hey, this is Sundance. and you Sundance? <laughs> exactly. But I didn't realize I was broke. Yeah. So that very day, and I kid you not, this happened exactly like I'm saying it. He called me, I quit basically right and then I hang up the phone five minutes later I have to do a poem mm. because everybody they were asking everybody to show their films and I was a first I didn't have any films so I was like oh, I'm gonna show my poetry so I get up and I perform this poem called um behind bulletproof glass right and I'm crying and they think I'm crying because I'm into the poem, but I'm crying because I just lost my job and realized you broke. You ain't got no money in the bank. What are you doing? And so um, right after I get off the stage, Michelle Satter comes up to me. She's the head of the Sundance Lab. She comes up to me. And she's like, I'm going to give you a grant for 5000 to focus on your writing, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. God keeps coming through, through, through with, with the confirmation. So, you know, I get home. And I'm like, okay, I'm unemployed. What do I do? All day, I'm just going on all the blogs. Media takeout, boss up. And you know how back in the day, you used to go to www. and just go have your little tabs open and just hit every blog, yeah, yeah. go to the little 10, 11 articles that they have and be like, okay, good, I'm good. I got the news for today. So that's what I used to do. But there was an issue that I had and I don't think people remember, and I'm not down in these blogs at all, but I, I don't think people remember, but the, the content that we used to consume at that time was like, her feet are ugly or, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, real bad. It was, like, like they would call you a B in the headline. Like, I mean, it was, like, I think people forgot what we used to consume back then. Yeah. And so I was, like, you know what? I, I love this. I love news and stories and all this type of stuff. I'm going to do it. I want to do it, but I want to do it in my way where the headlines are not going to be crazy and we don't have an opinion on, you know, we don't have that much of an opinion on things, right? Mm-hmm. But it went less so. So I so one night I'm in my room, I kid you not, I'm in Hawthorne. I'm, I have no money. I'm about to get evicted. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? And I'm in my room and it's dark and I'm like, I'm gonna start a blog. I go on the computer and I look up how to start a blog. And every site was like, Don't do it. It's a dying industry, like yeah. can't make money. WW dot is going out of style. And so I was so discouraged, but something inside of me was like, no, do it because yours is going to be different. Like, don't let this, you know, deter you because you have to, you know, and I don't know how I came up with the name The Shade Room. It, I must have blanked it out of my mind. I don't know how. <laughs> God. I, I don't know who put that in the head. I don't know. So I'm like, okay. So then I go to, um, the next day I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, I, I got to go to get an LLC, right, for my business. So I go right. I, LLC place. I go down there and I remember the lady, she looks at the the, the um, application and she's like, 
you might want to change the name from the shade room. She was like, because you got to think about it. And she was being helpful. She was a nice black woman. She was trying to help me. And she was like, because people are not going to want to write a check to a company called the shade room. Uh, <laughs> hey, what you talking about? Like, <laughs> Now. If she could see you now, you to go back to her. Was that it? Yeah. Uh, but but I was like, nah. They go. I was I was gonna change it to TSR Media, and then I was like, nah. It's gonna be the shade room. The shade room. And so um, you know, so I really knew. I just remember knowing for a fact that the shade mm-hmm. room was a name that was gonna be. Good. Yeah. And that's so interesting that you went and established the LLC right away. You know, some people they just start blogging and then they think about the business aspect much later. Well, the thing was, I knew, I, I, I was researching it. So okay. that's what they would say. They would say, before you put your name out there on social media and then you start this thing, make sure you actually own that name. And you know what I mean? You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, yeah. Um, and make sure that you started a business. And so I was very business minded. I've always been business minded. When I was in college, I used to do everybody's hair for $45, weaves for $45. Um, <laughs> When I was in high school, I used to swing candy like no other. You know what I'm saying? So I, was, <laughs> I always been, had I was always a hustler. That's what it was. I would hustle you okay. everywhere I was. Um, and so for me, I was like, yeah, we're going to start a business. Plus, I had a business before the shade room called Juju's Closet, named after mm. myself. It fell and burned because all I wanted to do was make money. And that's one thing I'll say for anyone listening is never do a business just to make money because I had no fashion. I'm not a fashion guru. I like, I mean, I could dress, you know, but I'm not a fashion guru. And so I tried to do a fashion business and model it after like the Heather Sanders and you know what I'm saying? And yeah. the was Bella Boutique and it just burned and crashed. And everybody was like, girl, bye. Like, I'm not a fashion about here. Right. You have to have a genuine interest on some level. You have to have not only a genuine interest, you have to have a talent in what you're trying to do. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you want to start a nail company, and I'm not saying it hasn't been done before, but if you want to start a nail business and you don't even like or care about nails, and you know, right. you don't know that, how can you be a great CEO? Exactly. You're you going to dread that every day. And, you know, even listening to some other founder stories, like, for example, the founders of Wayfair, I was just listening. It's not that they love furniture, but they had a talent of making these websites and selling this exactly. furniture. Yeah. yeah, like like the Bible app. The guy who um, made the Bible app, the number one Bible app, is atheist. Mm. But he knew he yeah, had a time. I'm about to delete my Bible app. <laughs> no, don't, don't delete it because God will use anybody. God will That's use true. anybody. You get what I'm saying? He, yeah. he, God probably felt like he was the one who had the skill. Wow. But, you could just drop it, some knowledge on me. No, yeah, no. But like, it, so it, you don't have to, it, it, you have to have something that has to do with the business that you're really good at. And, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And let's talk about that something. So there are lots of people who try to start these sites and they don't attract more than 700,000 followers in a year like Shade Room did. What were those early steps and what do you think really helped for that explosion and growth? So I think that this is one of the biggest things, originality, right? So when you when you go back to when Shade Room came out, there weren't a lot of IG blogs because it was it was it, there was no blueprint for that. You get what I'm saying? There were like it was um, okay. So this is it was an intersection. People were not going to www dot anymore because everybody was getting their news from social media. Mm-hmm. But they were getting it like somebody would share it or somebody would post it. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they weren't going to www dot. It was starting to die. So that's why when I went online and all the blogs, all the people were saying, "Don't do blogs anymore," because it was dying, but it was going to transform into something else. So when I started the Shade Room, which is very important because I didn't know what I was doing. It was a lack. It was a weakness of mine. I did not know how to create a website, and so because of that, I had to start on Instagram first because. 
because I was so anxious and, and mm. excited to start this business. You get what I'm saying? So I just it was like, I'm going to just start blogging on social media. I'm going to build the following and then I'm going to build the website and then I'm going to lead everybody to the website. You know what I'm saying? So that was my mind frame. And I thought at that point that I was behind and lacking. But what I really was, was I was about to innovate in the industry um, on accident. You know yes. what I'm saying? You so, disrupted that whole... It was a disruption, right? right? And so when you disrupt something, you're going to... The first disruptor of anything, right, is going to achieve a lot, right, more than anybody that follows. When you look at Netflix disrupting Blockbuster, you know what I'm saying? They they got that, and they, you know, Netflix ain't... No, no diss to Netflix, but I be going on there like, I can't find a movie that... <laughs> But but they but they disrupted Blockbuster right. and they got that early fruit. When you disrupt anything, you get the early fruit. And so I think that that's one of the big things is that the shade room was kind of innovative in that sense of mm-hmm. okay, we're gonna give you twenty four hour uh, feed on on Instagram. Boom boom boom. It's gonna go. You're gonna be looking at your friend stuff. This is where everybody is already. Yeah, they, their friends are there. And in between looking at your friends posts, you're gonna get some shade room. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. The second and- thing. Go ahead, yeah. Oh, no. And in those early days where you like, okay, not only am I trying to make my content and make it interesting and different mm-hmm. than everybody else, but how are you thinking about getting people to that Instagram page? Because even though it's Instagram, you still yeah. have to, you know, try to get followers. Well, okay. So the thing was, I think I'm, one of my strengths is that I'm very creative, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just was like, okay, there's this, there's this untapped industry of people who are Instagram famous that, that don't get on the blogs because you got to do a lot to get on the www dots, but that have their own fan bases. And so I started with them. I started mm-hmm. telling their stories and then I would go into their comments and be like, yeah, if you want the tea, come back to the shade room. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I and so because they weren't typically, traditionally famous, they mm-hmm. would and give us exclusives like they would they would give us exclusives in the comments like they would go wow. back it was just something that didn't exist like that before and then we would go into their com- we would go into their comments and see them clapping back at people and then we you know what I'm saying and it was right. like and it was like it was something that didn't exist but also one of the things that I did do which was not likely uh, I don't know a lot of blogs had not done this which is um we named our audience so that was big. Mm-hmm. Giving them ownership of the blog and yes. naming them the roommates gave them a sense of community right mm-hmm. from the very beginning. And so because they felt, and I'm not going to say you could just name any audience and then they'll feel like they're a community. Right. That's not what it is. You also have to foster the community environment. So we would, I would go back and talk to them. I talk, If you go to our DMs, every, every roommate that sends in some tea, Yes. Response. Yes. I can attest to that because I will send stuff to the shade room. They might not post it, but they will respond. (laughs) Don't make me feel the love in the heart. You know how hard it is to respond to thousands and thousands and thousands of DMs every day? Yes. But but we do that because we want everybody to feel like they have a personal relationship with the shade room. Mm-hmm. And when you go through the DMs, you'll see that one, it's rare that you'll see a person just sent one thing. Uh-huh. Normally, well, we can click on any roommate and, they send, and they've been sending for years. You get what I'm saying? Yes. And so it's like, it's a relationship that we have to build and foster. You know, just like when you have friends, you got to yeah. communicate with them. So um, that's that. Two we we have created this we, we created an environment where people can really just 
express themselves. Because that's what I said the first post that I said. I said the shade room is really the truth room, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, people misconstrue the truth as shade, but it, you know what I mean. But it's really truth. It's really us saying our true opinions. And so because of that, they we set the tone for you know I set the tone for them to be able to you know speak their minds. Exactly. And so it was it, it was gradual, but I think that you know creativity, a great name, a great brand, naming the roommates, um, being in contact with them from one follower to. 14.1 million. You know what I mean? Yes, like, we, yes. we still treat them like, like they're our friends. Right. And I also love that um, it's really hard to make celebrity gossip seem lighthearted. You know, sometimes it gets a bad rap as negative and all of that. However, when you come to the shade room, you're laughing and not <laughs> at people <laughs> per se. Like, sometimes it's just genuine, you know, con- fun content. And then you also have that aspect where now it's not just, you know, like the unknowns in the comments. It is the most famous people who are in the comments, clarifying things, supporting mm. each other. And I love that about it. I yeah. love that people are there bigging each other up in the comments of the shade room. You know why I think it's that way? Because we have taken our opinion out of it. In mm. the beginning, it was it was different. In the beginning, it was, if you know old school shade room, then you know, it was a little, it was a little, you know, bad, you know, because <laughs> Cause you know I got <laughs> I, I got I I wanted to do something good and then I just started attacking people because I was unhappy I was like mm-hmm. I said I was in Hawthorne I was in the hood and I was I was poor at the time you know what I mean I didn't have any money and so my my energy was transferred to the page mm-hmm. but once um I began to get like a team of people and you know get help and and then realize and see that's one thing about a CEO that you have to make sure you do you have to be able to to evolve and you have to be able to listen to advice. If you can't listen to advice, um, that's why females make better CEOs in my opinion, because women um, typically are able to reflect, you know what I mean, on on their behavior and themselves and not get so um, egotistical that they have to, you know, nobody can tell them anything, right? And so a good CEO listens really, really well. And my audience told me, get off the page. We don't really care about, you know, your, your biases and your opinions. Let us talk. We come for the comments anyway. So I said, okay, I'm going to let y'all talk. So we took our opinion out. If you notice, we only have an opinion if it's like the roommate's opinion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As a whole. Yeah. But other than that, we don't talk about, we just put, we don't say nothing in the caption. We're just like, this is what happened, y'all. You know, we're just here to serve the tea. Exactly. And the roommates are the ones that have the voice. And that's why we've been able to build a unique relationship between celebrities and, and the people because the celebrities understand, oh, well, that's what the people said. Mm-hmm. People's opinion. Exactly. So let's talk about, okay, when did you know that this was an idea worth betting on, that this was something you were going to make your full time and into a full career? I knew that in the first week, and I know that's odd, and a lot of people probably don't won't know that in the first week, but I knew it in the first week because we were getting extreme traction. The first day of blogging, I, did, I was blogging 24 hours that day. I wasn't sleeping, I'm telling you. In the beginning, I didn't sleep. I, w- I was literally going crazy, but <laughs> I, um, I was blogging 24 hours that day and 350 followers the first day. Now, to the average eye, that's not much, but to me, I was like, oh. Yes. A week and a half later, we had 10,000 followers because Tammy Roman shouted us out. She stumbled upon the blog and shouted us out and was like, ooh, this new blog is really doing it. Like, <laughs> she got us 10,000 followers that wow. day. Wow. After that, I was like, okay, this is it. It's big because it was, it was the traction. And so when you're doing a business, um, first of all, most businesses don't succeed until month six. Mm-hmm. To, 
But if in a year you're if you're if you're able to see that you're progressing, like your orders went from one to a hundred, you know what I'm saying, or whatever, there has to be some type of progress that you're noticing. And then once you see that that's happening, then you can, you know, yeah. And when did you start to monetize, and how was it? Just strictly advertising? Were you selling anything as well? Girl, you know, I gotta tell this story because I don't think I ever told this one. I was trying to do Google Google um, ads. You know how you do Google ads? Right, right, right. I eventually built a website and then I was bringing people back to the website and, and I was like, okay, I need, I need to figure out how to monetize this. Cause everybody was like, you should, you should be monetizing it. What do we, cause everybody was judging me. They were like, you on Instagram, what are you doing? You're going money out of it. So I'm like, you're right. Cause I am broke. So <laughs> one day I was like, okay, let me try to do this. So I, I love, I um, created the website and I did Google ads mm-hmm. and I, that I was making money. Right. I, for me, I was making like, I think I made $5,000 in a week or so. Right. right. And I was like, this is it. This is, what I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I would say not even a month later, someone reported my website to Google Ads, right? And I was like, who? And I'm still side-eyeing. Reported it for what? For, like, Google is really um, strict. So mm-hmm. if you have, like, a girl who is in lingerie or something like that on your site, then they'll take it down. Now, we, the kind of content we we was talking about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. of course you, you know, somebody, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was, it, it, it was just like sensitive content. So they did that, but I was banned and I'm still banned from Google Ads. I would never, what? Ever, I would never ever be able to be able to make money from Google Ads. Oh like, my. But that was a blessing in disguise. I, I, this is what I want people to see from my story is, is how God twists and turns things. Mm-hmm. Because if, if if I had made, if I had Google ads, I would never have been getting the, we would never have the model that we have now, which is a unique model. We get, um, because we were, because I was blocked from Google ads, I said, well, let me make money like the IG models make money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they do direct sales with the businesses, the B2B, yes. you know what I mean? So I was like, let me do that. So we built a B2B model, but we built it with black companies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mostly black companies. There are other companies that we work with, but it's primarily black companies. And what happened was they were able to get a big audience for cheaper, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't charge as much as the IG models do. Yes. But we were able to get a bigger audience for cheaper and we were able to help each other. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So we, there have been, uh, um, I just did a panel and I said that we have helped to start, jumpstart over 400 black businesses. Yes. Can I clap yes. that up? No, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited because they will come to us for, they, they get cheaper advertising with us, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and a much larger reach. And if they have a great, great product, that thing will take off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I've been, um, I believe that's the, what we were supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, it wasn't supposed to be built off Google ads. I probably would have been sitting back like a fat cat. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ads. But because we did it another way, we were also able to help in, empower other businesses as well. So Right. And uh-huh. do you also take advertising from larger businesses or is it strictly, um, you know, smaller or black businesses? So we, we take advertising from larger businesses at a premium. Okay. Um, and we definitely, if, you, if you're like a small business, we definitely give you a different rate. And so it's like a combination and a mix of, or else we, you know, because we need some support for the larger companies. Right. So be able to support the smaller companies. And so, so it's like a mix. But mm-hmm. it, it took me eight months, girl, to even make a dollar. Wow. Um, Preach on it. Talk about it. Because, you know, a lot of times um, we beat ourselves up thinking, oh, I'm supposed to be making this by now, blah, blah, blah. It can take time. It doesn't mean you don't have a good product. Um, uh-huh. And do you ever get scared with like the whole 
so much of your business is on Instagram that if, you know, somebody was to try to play, like, just like they did with Google ads and try to report you and get mm-hmm. your account shut down, you know, what would, what would happen next? Definitely. That's definitely a fear of mine. But in this day and age, I think every website that's dependent on www. is having a hard time. Yep. Social media is where people, it's a utility now. It's where people are. And you can try to take people to your app. How many have been successful? I'm, I'm just asking, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying it can't be done. And I am going to try to figure out a way to do it. But I think if, it, if you're going to do it, it has to be, you have, it can, you have to have something to offer outside of news right. to get people off of your app. Because otherwise, news is everywhere. It's, it's just everywhere now. It's, it's, it's spread all over. You know, Absolutely. so nobody has to go to an, another app. Yeah, you know? that's how I feel when like little, you know, low budget sites be trying to give me a paywall. I'm like, okay, close. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. So before we move into the lightning round, um, and we are going to give you a chance to do your poetry, but I would love to know, you know, a lot of people lose money in their first few years of business. So you have a team, you now finished, figured out your advertising and business model. Right. What has been your experience? I have never lost money in the company. Except for the first eight months, right? <laughs> when I was doing out. From the time that we started making money, we've been in the black. You know, anybody knows like financial stuff. We've been in the black since then. And that's no lie, no cap, right? Because first of all, and I'll tell you why. I'm very lean. I, I, I work within my means. Mm-hmm. So whatever I'm making, I work within that. And I'm, and I'm very cheap. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if you come to our office, we have a very small office and it's in downtown. We got a real good rate. We got it because we sublease somebody else's stuff and then <laughs> taking over the lease. But are you downtown LA? Is that where you are? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, this office is cheap. Now, we <laughs> We can move to, um, and you know, it got, they don't clean the windows outside. And so it's got bird stains, you know, whatever. But we can move to a, a lavish um, place that's on top of, you know, at the top 21st floor. Yeah. Um, and just, you know what I mean? And, and be lavish. But for what? You know what I mean? Like, there will be a time for that. But when we have, ex- you know what I mean? In excess. Right. And so I think that, you know, we don't take a lot of investment money. I only took one investment, which was from a man named Bryce. And it was for $100,000. And it was a small investment. And in the beginning of the shaving, when I never spent the money, I just wanted somebody who was smart. He's smart and he's in the industry. And so other than that, no, you know, it's, it's what we're doing is actually unique because a lot of companies take investment money from, um, you know, on their path, especially in media. And they people believe you have to do that. But we have been just taking the money, reinvesting in the company, taking the money, reinvesting in the company, saving a lot of money for, for you know, the, yeah. and also one of the things that I do that may seem really weird because Everybody classifies this as a gossip site, but I think at this point we've proven we're a media company. Yes. But I tithe. Mm. I tithe. I will tell you now, you give God his 10%, God will bless your 90%. You give God his 10% and you will be blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And we have been blessed to be able to have um, exactly what we need to move to the next step and the next level. Wow. And and what's been your approach to hiring? Because I find that so difficult. Like, how do you know who to bring on? Do you bring them on part-time? And if it's part-time, how do you make sure they're really dedicated to your vision? So my approach to hiring, I'm not, see, you're calling on one of my weak spots. (laughs) (laughs) 
For any business, hiring is the hardest part. I'm going to just tell you right now. Yeah. Um, now, this business, hiring is, is hard because you got to put them on an Instagram page. And mm. any one of them could just take it down and, you know, you know what I mean? Or attempt to, it'll be stopped. Right. Right. They can attempt to just ruin your whole your whole brand. Yeah. So it's important that you trust them. So the so here's the thing, right? I, okay, I struggle to tell this story, but I, I really do. I like okay. There was this biblical story about this um, guy named Gideon, right? Gideon was one of the first examples of how to hire people in the Bible. And so you guys, if you want to read that, read it and you will get so much from it. But basically he, he, he dwindled it down to the people who were most desperate to do the job. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to the first person that I hired, um, that girl was like, so hungry to work for the shade room that she stalked me. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I didn't hire anybody until I, I saw that hunger. And she literally would, she would email me over and over and over again and send me her resume over and over and over again. She'd be like, did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? And <laughs> I made her wait like three weeks and she, in three weeks, she was just over and over and over again. There's some people who will send you their resume and then go. Mm-hmm. She was not, she would hit me in the DM. Did you get it? You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, oh, okay, you hungry. You really want to be on the shade room. So she was my first hire and she was a great hire until, you know, she, she's not here anymore, but and she was a great hire for a while. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I, I learned to get people who showed that determination. You have to show me that you are hungry. And I never um, hire anybody that just on the first run. Like you have to show me some some determination, whether you're trying to reach out to me, you're trying to find me. Timby, Timby is still on the team and she's one of my favorite, um, you know, writers on the team. Timby moved all the way from the UK to what? LA before she got a job. What? On, on faith. Timby. I her on the phone and I said, oh, maybe. I said, well, you know, I'm having this, um, you know, I'm having this um, event with Issa Rae. It was, a, it was like a hiring event with Issa Rae that we did years ago. I said, so, you know, I didn't even tell her. I was like, you could come. She came. When she came to that event, she said, I'm already moved here. I'm ready. <laughs> I, said, oh. I said, oh, okay. Y'all, y'all hear these hey, tips on about how to really get the job? <laughs> you on the team. I was like, you on the team. And wow. I never regretted that. Decision. Still on the team. Wow. Still a power player. Um, so you got to show, people got to show you that type of determination. Also, having interns is very good. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Don't, you know, you can't, don't, don't get into no illegal stuff, but pay your interns, but having interns is great. And we're going to open up another intern company because, I mean, an intern program because half of our people that work for us are in, were interns. Oh, okay. So when you have interns slowly training them to do certain things, then you can build up the trust. You can see their behaviors and how they operate and begin to say, oh, this person might be work well with the team. You know what I mean? So having a process, a long, rigorous process before you hire them is actually something that will do um, really well. And then also another tip is to make sure that where their their future is aligned with what your company is. You know yes. what I mean? So that they feel like they can achieve a lot of all of their dreams through your company, then they'll stay longer. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's all great tips. Thank you. Thank you. Get my, get a little horse myself. um, And you keep your team small. You keep your overhead, you know, low. So when you say you're investing back into the business, are there bigger things, bigger and better things that are coming? Like what's next for the shade room? Um, that's actually a good question. Um, I, I invest back in the business with salaries. I like to pay, I think our, our writers are, paid higher than some of the people at BuzzFeed and you know what I mean? All these other companies. And so when you keep them well paid, then they, they, 
they, you know, obviously, you know, they, they add more to the company. Um, but also reinvesting into video is what I want to do. I'm not going to lie to you and say I know everything because the problem is that I have to build a blueprint in the sky as we're flying. And that's one of the hardest things to do. And when it comes to business, there is no blueprint. Sorry. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you can, I mean, if you want to do any other field, if you want to be a lawyer, there's a blueprint. If you want to be a doctor, there's a blueprint. Just go here, do this pass this and do this. You know what I mean? But when it comes to business, you have to create that blueprint and you don't know which one is going to work. Blueprint A, B, C, D, you don't know. Use discernment and faith to be able to choose which avenue is going to be the best for your company and information to knowledge, right? And so that's where I'm at right now. I took a while to do big investments because I wanted to be knowledgeable of what this industry um, entails and what every, I was looking at every other media company and seeing what they're doing, you know what I mean? And seeing the things that didn't work for them, like Vice or BuzzFeed, you know what I'm saying? And and I saw, I watched them all do video and now I'm like, okay, I get a little bit more information now. So, you know what I mean? It's like right. timing is perfect and, and um, recognizing your timing and not feeling like you have to be fast and catch up. How can the shade room compete with uh, a, a, a media company that's valued at a billion, you know what I mean, or whatever, you know, yeah. however many billions is valued at. So for me, it's like we have to play our own race and we have to focus on our own self and what the shade room needs. And so we're going organically there, but it, yeah. uh, video will be a lot of where the investment Yeah. Goes. And you know what's so funny is that these companies worth a billion, multi billions, blah, 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 they're looking at the shade room. Low key, they got all their feelers out, all their people looking at yes. what we're doing. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and that to me is that to me is is miraculous right yeah. because it's like wow you have all this money and all these you have the top yeah. and the, the top talent and then i meet with them and they're like listen we could do it again we would have did it the way you did you know what I mean? <laughs> right. like, what? looking at you, you <laughs> and know? so it goes to show you can't it doesn't matter like people resonate with the shade room because they feel like it's a part of the culture that it that it means more than just the media company. Right. It's where black people get their news and they trust it enough to say, "Oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot of different representation." Mm-hmm. When when one of our lo- beloved you know artists die, we're not gonna say "crackhead died." You know what I mean? Or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Like 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 the other blogs, we gonna show you respect. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like that. I feel like black people needed a platform that was able to not only give them the entertainment mm-hmm. but also. Um, you know, in the know with the politics in a way, fun way that we talk and, and also do the positive images and all that type of stuff with the shade room provides yeah. and the shade room will go the red carpets. We'll, we will round up all the black people and be like, yeah, okay, this is their outfits. You know what I mean? Like we give right. them media, we give them press, we give them media, we give them press for their, their um, uh, projects and things of that nature where you won't see TMZ. When's the last time you see TMZ? No shade. Cause I love TMZ. I love Harvey over there. But when's the last time you seen TMZ pump somebody's album? Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like it's so so we needed a, a, a media company like that. And I think that um because it means so much, there's no amount of money that can recreate that. Right. You have to right. really care enough for the community to create that. You know what I'm saying? And exactly. So that's, that's it, yeah. And that's why I'm so, you know, just very inspired by what you're doing. And I'm glad that you really highlight that you have Shade Room has evolved into a media company. It's right up there. It's right up there. And you know, what you're building. I can't wait to see where you are in five years, three years even. I have another talk, girl. Five years. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I'm like, where are Five years is a long time. Five years is a long, that's why I always say I don't make five-year plans. Like, what? That's like, 
Yeah, and, and I, I don't know you guys can tell I'm very spiritual. And the thing about it is that people would never assume that I'm spiritual because of the industry mm-hmm. that I'm in. But I, I just want to say that you could plan your way, right? But mm-hmm. God is going to establish your steps. I, yep. I've had many plans. I've learned that and over and over. Yeah. But that's what you're supposed to do. Yep. You know what I mean? You're supposed to plan your way. And then whatever is not supposed to be in that plan, God will yep. take away. You, that's where you see some of your failures and your losses and you, right. and, but you have to be able to see them from the right perspective and say, yeah. that didn't work because that's not where I was supposed to go. Right. Okay. And do you, uh, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that was it. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, do you consider yourself a private person? Because, and maybe this is, you know, you intentionally taking yourself out of the comments and things like that. But I noticed that it doesn't seem like you are like overly the face of the shade room. How do you, you know, how do you approach that? Do you, do you purposely do that? Or do you want to, you know, even though you're on obviously 30 under 30 and things like that, do you try to maintain your privacy intentionally? I think, you know what, honestly, it's so funny that you say that because I'm going to tell you this. Yesterday, I was at a party. Issa Rae had a party, right? Yes. Yesterday. Was this the yacht party? I heard about this. No, girl. <laughs> oh, no. I wish I was at the yacht party. <laughs> no, this was um, an indie party. Uh, okay, okay. But it was, it was like everybody was there. It was like a popping industry party. I mean, celebrities everywhere. Yeah. And when my, I went with my friend, and she was like, why don't you just, like, work your way in this room and, and, and network and, and, like, try to get into these circles? And... I was like, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Like, I, I, I just can't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't, I can't, I don't care about the fame. I don't care about, um, that's just not my motive. That's not my motivation is mm-hmm. to be famous or to be in these circles. And there's nothing wrong with people that do want to be famous. But I just was never built like that. Even when I was a kid, I was always, I was never like the popular girl. You know what I'm saying? I was always the one that, I was on the outskirts of the popular group. Like I would be the one like, follow, you know what I mean? Whatever, you know what I mean? I, I, I was never popular. Public. Popular adjacent. <laughs> I was popular adjacent, yes. I was never, and I always was socially awkward. Like, I would get into, for some reason, it's something about me that it's like, it's hard for me in the beginning. I'm shy, right? Mm-hmm. And so it takes me, I want to have genuine, I can only have genuine connections with people. So I can't, like, move up this social ladder by, you know how some people in Hollywood, they'll scheme and be like, oh, let me get her to get this and this and this. And I can't do that. It's just not in me. And I remember yesterday coming back um, from the party, and I was, like, about to cry, honestly, because I was like, God, why, why would you make me be the CEO of this, this type of company. When you know me, you've known me when I was, since I was a kid, you know, I'm not the the type that's so social, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not the type to, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And I had to think and say, well, that, that's probably why he chose me for this. Yeah. Cause it wasn't supposed to be about me. Another CEO might want to be all on the page and yeah. all the way carpet. Yeah, and the that, videos. <laughs> videos. And that's not me. It's not yeah. about me. It's about the roommates. It's about, yes. the, it's about the, what I'm trying to do in this, in this community. And it's, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And so, and I, and, and so I have to keep saying, God chose, he knew who I was and he right. knew I was the popular girl. He knew yeah. I wasn't going to work alone. He knew these things about me and he said it was okay for me to have this position. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so I always have to tell myself, okay, you're fine just because even though you want to be behind the scenes, right. you're fine. And that's just who I am. Yeah, yeah. I relate to that too. Is I'm kind of an introvert. I don't know if you would consider yourself that. But I relate, <laughs> yeah, I relate to that. People reach out to me for coffee and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh no, I actually, I actually like to stay in my house. (laughs) You you got me confused. (laughs) One last thing before, we're going to jump into this lightning round and then we'll be wrapping. But 
how do you balance that? You said in the beginning that you do all these meetings and meetings are where you make your greatest connection. How do you make sure that you are taking on the right meetings so that you're not stretching yourself too thin? You're not just going on these things and wasting time where you could be handling real business. You know, how do you balance that? Um, you know what? That, that's a good, good one. Um, it took me a while to learn to balance that because what I would do in the beginning, I had bad time management because everybody that wanted to meet me expected me to go to them. Mm-hmm. So I'll be driving all over this town every day, you know, meeting all these people. Um, but I think once you begin to get more used to um, meeting people and things like that and being in the industry, you begin to see who's about that nonsense and who's not, you know what I mean? And just by the way that they come at you, just by how professional they are. I like to know why we're meeting in advance. I need to yes. know what your background is and if it's, if, and if it's more beneficial. The, the rule is if it's more beneficial for you to meet with me, you have to come to me. Yes. Right. So I could be in my office and you could just walk through, walk through, walk through. If it's more beneficial for me to meet with you, then I must come to you. And so because of that, you kind of take away a lot of that traveling aspect right. of it all. And also you, that it has to be an equally beneficial meeting. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to, we both have to be able to help each other grow in order for me to even meet with you mm-hmm. as far as business goes. And that's yes. just, you just gotta, if you don't do that, you're not protecting your sanity. Cause right. you're going crazy with all these people that's just asking you to help them. And that's all they yeah. want. Yeah. yeah. So and you can help people, but that's a whole nother meeting. I mean, that's a whole nother day and a whole nother conversation. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's about basically saying, is this beneficial to me as well to spend my time meeting with this person and, and out of my day when I'm busy? Um, there are some days where I say no meetings at all. Mm-mm, I can't meet this week because I need to be in the office and really focus. Yeah. So it's about time management and just really. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to do a quick lightning round where you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Okay. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Hmm. Having a mentor that is in the tech, heavy tech background. That's like my secret weapon. Okay. Because every time I'm thinking about doing something, I'll call him up and he'll be like, girl, don't take that television deal. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. You need to link up with someone who's way smarter than you and who, who has a lot more experience than you in the field that you're in. Okay. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? There's a podcast called Masters of Scale. Yes. So basically, have you heard of that podcast? Yeah, I have. Reed Hoffman. Is that who it is? Reed Hoffman, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. Um, Leaders Eat Last is a great book for, for um, leadership. And then number three, who is a Black woman entrepreneur that you would want to trade places with for a day and why? Oprah, of course, Oprah, Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, I need to trade places with these women because I need to see what, how they accomplish what they accomplish in a day. Right. How Especially does Shonda have three shows at a certain Exactly, time? Shonda Rhimes. This yeah. Netflix deal, yes, she's on my list. And then <laughs> number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? Mm. My dedication to success. I can't give up. I, I'm like, a, I'm like, ugh, I keep going. I'm like a machine that keeps going. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I would say that, I mean, I guess that's not a habit, but it's a quality. Um, but I would say that that has helped me. And the, th- and the quality that has hindered me the most is I'm a control freak. Mm. I want my hand in everything. I can't, I don't feel comfortable having projects being going from start to finish without me in it. You know what I mean? And so that can hinder you. It can create a bottleneck in your company. And so that is one of the things that's stopping me. But my dedication to continue on is, is, is the main thing. 
Okay. And then finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Um, first of all, and, and this is, this is, this is something that I like to talk about because my sister wants to be an actress, but my sister also loves her paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell her, if you want to be an actress, yes. you got to lay the paycheck to the ground. You have to be able to sacrifice. Life is not going to give you anything for free. If you do not have the heart to sacrifice everything that you have for something greater, then you may never see that thing that you desire. You get what I'm saying? You have to be willing to sleep in your friend's house. You have to be, and I'll tell you right now, when I started the shade room, I reached a point where I was going, I might have gotten evicted, right? And um, the day, this is, this was a day before I made money, enough money to write a check to my manager. I mean, my landlord or whatever, you know, whoever the, the you know what I'm talking about, the person. Yeah. That, it, this was the day before I had this conversation with one of my friends. Um, and my rent was due that day, wow. but I, you know how you have that little grace period. So I had like two to three days grace period before the fees started collecting on. Right. And I called her and I said, I can't do this anymore. Like, you know what I mean? I need to get a regular job. Do I need to go to a restaurant and just get a job? Right. And she told me, she said, absolutely not. She said, <laughs> what, do, what do you need to do the shade room? I said, I need internet. I need, I need a phone and I need a laptop. And she said, if that's all you need, be willing and be prepared to lose everything else except for that. Wow. To keep going. And when she said that, I said, oh, oh, okay. It was like a weight was lifted off of me. The fear was lifted off of me because all I needed, and I knew I could do that. I already had a laptop. So if I needed to go to uh, Starbucks to get Wi-Fi, you know, to keep doing this, or if I need to sleep with my friend, um, you know, in my friend's house so that because I lost my apartment, Whatever, I could still pursue my dream. You have to let go of the fear of, of, of not being comfortable mm-hmm. to pursue what you want. And I've seen it for many other people. Life is not just going to hand anything to you. Nope. Um, not, not, not anything great unless you, you know, work for it. So Not that, anything great. That's a perfect, perfect note to end on. So Angie, what is the best way for people to connect with you after this episode? I know they're going to want to. <laughs> oh, connect with me. Okay, Angie at the shade room.com is my email. Okay. Um, and I'm on Facebook. Um, and that's it. You know, I, don't, I, I had an old Instagram that I don't use anymore. Facebook <laughs> is my Instagram. That's how I learned. Okay. Know? Thank you so much, so, so much for being in the guest chair. This was personally very inspirational for me. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for inspiring women and, you know, um, having this podcast and, and bringing women in to, you know, give other women tips. I think that's amazing what you're doing. And I just hope that you succeed and that you're prosperous. And please send me the link afterwards and let me know how to support. Will do. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.